Back to Catherine's podcast. We've not done an episode in a minute. Uh, we've had some scheduling issues, but everything should be fine now. Uh, knock on wood, fingers crossed, uh, whatever generally absurd method you use for protecting us. Uh, Agreed. This week, it's just going to be the two of us again. Uh, we're going to talk about some of our sort of relationships between different dynamics with religion and hope we don't have too many sound problems. Uh, uh, I was talking to you the other day. I brought up the sort of strange dynamic we have, uh, whereas JJ, who we talked to last time, um, is very very anti-church yeah etc like no bones about it and i'm absolutely fine with that because i understand where he's coming from uh i know he's actually coming from a as we like to say a faith background yes indeed um rather than a lot of times you'll just run into people just talking shit going off oh blah 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 y'all are stupid and delusional and none of this makes sense and frankly those people aren't worth talking to because they don't ever have anything to say they're generally engaging with really bad takes on theology um rather than ever seeing the value in anything it's like it's a very useless conversational dynamic um whereas someone who is coming from having experienced something meaningful Mm -hmm. and you know it's um i i was curious mostly about how you're experiencing a lot of this because uh i know you've been listening to a lot of other people who are more directly in touch with religion with whatever their take on god is yeah uh, or tradition it's it has been it has been interesting for me lately because you know it it was for for a good while i would say that i whatever jj's take was was <laughs> pretty much i thought yeah that's probably a good take you know and i and honestly i still do agree very strongly with the vast majority of his takes, I have a relatively similar background to him in terms of a faith background, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I relate very strongly to, you know, because when he and I have talked about, you know, things related to, you know, faith and institutional religion and these sorts of things, like, it, it, I think that, I guess what I'm learning now is that... 
I don't know. I, I, it, it's been very difficult for me to, to, for me to really uh, kind of un- come into a proper understanding of even what I'm going through. I don't really know what I'm going through. I do know that I'm far more of a theist now, uh, even just in the past, you know, maybe month or so. It, JJ is crying elsewhere. I, I'm sure. I'm, I, I, but it's, it's, it's difficult to say that, though, because I still don't even really know how to phrase it. I don't really know how to say it. I don't necessarily think that my understanding is the exclusively correct one. I don't even know what my understanding For sure. is. I don't know. I'm, I'm doing a bad job. You better take the helm here. <laughs> it's, a, it's a transitional period, and that's I feel like that's a lot to go through, and it's something that we do actually... Well, at least all of us who have gotten to something like this point, we all go through things like this, at least. Um, For sure. I know for me, uh, whereas I'm at this point semi-comfortable talking about things, about where I stand on things and so forth, I certainly wasn't there for a long time. Um, what was that? It was a process. I had to... I had to get back to something. And it wasn't really getting back because I didn't... I'm certainly not now where I was before I got away from, quote, Christianity. Uh, and... I feel like I had to sort of struggle with what my relationship to it was with what I could actually feel even at the same time as trying to, it it is a very awkward position to be in. It is legitimately taken me years to get, to actually feeling like I know where I am more or less and I do feel like I'm continuously evolving um hmm. suppose that's normal I one thing that I've noticed with myself recently is I've started using I've started naturally using a lot more faith-based language in casual conversations just kind of of my own volition which I know that the rhetoric you use isn't necessarily an indication of your convictions, but it obviously can speak to certain subconscious things that are going on that you might not even really be able to phrase very well in the moment. At the very least, at the very least, it's it's an expression of some level of comfort with even addressing the question. For sure. Um Whereas, again, it's like there was that whole new atheist movement where it just... Which I loved. I loved it dearly. Uh, I was so involved. (laughs) Well, and part of the thing there was it was so very zealous and unthinking. It Mm -hmm. was a totalitarian absolute judgment on even like the vague precepts of what is reality that never questioned itself. 
Yeah. Um, which was, I, I think, a big part of why I was uncomfortable with it. I feel like, I feel like that's a lot of the difference is that, or can be. Uh, obviously, there are certainly people who are stuck in a mode of dictating and assuming with religion, but I feel like a lot of the time when you're actually engaging with it, you're in a better position to allow for change and allow for thinking and reflection than when you've based your identity on the starting assumption that all this is wrong, that some sort of... I hesitate to say... uh, Oh, what's the word? Uh, Observation-based view of what reality is. Mm -hmm. But it's not really observation-based because it has this whole set of assumptions about judging what your observation is as well right right it, it really is never as easy as whatever the i know the word you're talking about but i'm forgetting it too nothing uh, is really ever with as easy e. as people seem to to to, to uh, present it as yeah and even beyond that even belong beyond the incredible complexity of what the perception is itself you've got just the assumption that there is a concrete and unchanging material reality yeah which based on what based Based on on you developing object permanence and right. believing something that you that's just another perception um it is i it's feel a, like it's a depressing reality to to kind of i guess the the only reality is that you will never truly understand if there is reality at all <laughs> yeah um but it's okay. You know, I, I feel like I've had, I've kind of gotten over the nihilism that can come with kind of the first existential crisis that a lot of people mm-hmm. experience, which is the whole, how, how do I know anything about anything existential crisis? And I, I mean, I don't feel like people generally, if they do get to that, some people never really have it. Uh, a lot of people I know I suppose, don't seem yeah. to have had it yet. But uh, I feel like when you have it, you never really find the solution to it. You kind of just learn to rest with it, and then you kind of develop past it. But you don't really ever fix it, because there is no answer. Yeah, Um, and we're getting into the the sort of Camus, etc. question of what do I do with this? Um, With the, of course made-up quote about whether you should kill yourself or drink coffee. Which is, of course, one of... What's that? (laughs) Oh, uh, Albert Camus. uh, Albert (laughs) (laughs) Camus. Yeah. You've got to mix the the accents whenever possible. It makes life more interesting. 
Uh, so nice, so cool. <laughs> um, but in his noted work, The Myth of Sisyphus, mm-hmm. uh, and I've only read part of this. This is certainly not my main field in any useful way, uh, but he basically focused on what to do with that mm, base nihilism how to approach it how to handle it um Mm. and there is a quote which has been thrown around which is probably not something he actually said but who knows uh it's useful as a meme in some sense uh that at that point the question becomes should i kill myself or have a cup of coffee um oh wow um personally i am always debating whether to kill myself or have coffee which has led to pretty high coffee consumption rate uh (laughs) as as opposed to the the alternative (laughs) Well, yes, the pretty high suicide. It's like a one hundred. It's like a one hundred percent to zero percent ratio. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly. If, nobody really uses percentages with ratios, but I'm going to be the first. <laughs> I, it's just a different form of notation. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps I see. It's a challenge for me because I don't drink coffee at all. So for me, it would be. Do you I would really yourself? be doing neither. I'm not planning on killing myself or drinking coffee. So perhaps there is a third option. Tell me, how do you feel about coffee, Serena? Uh, it's okay. I just don't have a lot of... I don't go out of my way to drink it because I don't need caffeine. I'm very energetic as it is. Hmm. Uh, I probably have more testosterone than I'm aware of. So that, that probably helps. Although I also don't exhibit some of the behaviors that apparently high T people experience, so I don't know. That stuff is overstated to a degree. Is it? Okay. Good to know. Um, speaking through the the lens of someone who's had major hormone shifts, mm-hmm. uh, there's definitely like I have certainly felt a lot of the correlations, but it. Okay, so I did have. Uh, my testosterone range before HRT was at the upper or towards the upper end of the quote normal range. And while I can say with HRT, there were a lot of things like it became easier to cry. Um, not that I didn't cry plenty before, but, uh, it became easier to, just get out of an argument instead of trying to win it obsessively. <laughs> uh, a lot of stuff like that, but crying is a big one. If if that one is a pretty strong correlative factor, I haven't cried in many years. Yeah, um, I have encountered trans guys complaining that they cannot cry with tea. Wow. Which yeah, uh, good to know. You know, that's always, yeah. that's good to keep in mind for myself. So it's not like, okay, there's, there's actually something wrong with me. It's, it's possibly just a testosterone connection. It is weird. I, I don't know what the mechanism behind that is or whatever, but I'm, 
I feel like I'm still pretty aggressive, etc., etc., and my testosterone levels have been at levels that would be considered unhealthily low for cis women for almost four years now. Really? Yeah. Uh, mm. Between, and I can never remember what the u- units are, but they've stayed between like two and 14 of whatever those units are. Whereas I think one of the, the like normal ranges for cis women or adult cis women premenopausal, blah, blah, is like 30 to 50. Good heavens. Um, which is supposed to make me tired and achy and non-functional, which perhaps I am and am just <laughs> used to it. Uh, I, I remember I joked at one point that I, I can't really tell the difference between that and the side effects of doing my physical labor job early in the morning. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yikes <laughs> but Good hey time. i mean do you feel like it is a an issue that you need to resolve or do you feel like you're okay like how do you feel about it in general uh, about my painfully low t level yes i'm fine with it um i did okay so quick science note for people who are listening and are not on hrt because i'm sure like half of our listeners are probably trans. Uh, yeah, at least. <laughs> at least. Uh, though obviously you are not on HRT, so... I'm not. But, you uh, can be trans and in fact not on HRT. Or E for that the, matter. The standard, quote, feminizing hormone replacement therapy, therapy usually involves um, the administration of estradiol, which is the main estrogen... Sometimes progesterone as well, and one of a set of androgen production blockers or androgen reception blockers, and I can't remember which are which. Uh, the standard one in the the U.S., which is where I live, obviously. Uh, <laughs> if you hadn't heard my accent, uh, is spironolactone, um, which people argue about that, but uh. It's, it's complicated the way the system works, and it's very individualistic. Uh, different bodies react to things differently. Uh, your body registering that it has a higher estrogen level or estradiol level causes it to produce less androgens, which is mostly testosterone. I think there are some others. Um, because... The way the endocrine system works, it's basically cool with whatever sex hormone there is as long as you have enough of a sex hormone. Side note, not having either is really bad for your body. I've heard. Uh, it, that's basically the cause of menopause and associated shit like osteoporosis. Good times. Um, oh, wow. Anyway... Uh, what were we talking about? My, my yeah, my my high estradiol levels basically nuked my androgen production. So I didn't. After a while, I didn't need much of the blocker 
Um, and at one point, my doctor told me to try cutting the blocker entirely. Mm. And this raised my T levels to like 14 or 15 or something, which is still considered unhealthily low for a cis woman. Sure. And I didn't like how it felt and it freaked me out. And so I went back on a low dose of the blocker until I ceased having uh, normal sex glands at all. Uh, note, adrenal glands also produce sex hormones, so that is how I have any testosterone in my system at all. Uh, wow. Much in the same way that that's how uh, cis women get it from a combination of the ovaries and the adrenal glands normally, if things are working normally, um, which is how I still have a lower level than they do because I'm only getting it from one place. I see. Good times. Fascinating. Indeed. <laughs> okay. With that all being said, what were we originally talking about? I think that we just went on a very oh, long tangent that uh, I kind of we, went off. I kind of drove. <laughs> well, we did have the uh, discussion of what the effects of hormone levels were on us being aggressive, etc. Uh, you were noticing that you didn't have some of the standard behavioral effects that it's supposed to have it seems it, it of course there's always the challenge of trying to analyze your own behavior true it you you rarely can do a good job at that i feel like but sometimes you know i'll hear you know here and there i'll hear someone say oh you know you know pardon Pardon the uh, the phraseology here, but uh, men tend to be X, Y, and Z if they have mm -hmm. higher testosterone levels. And I just think, well, for whatever reason, none of those things really apply. But they could, and I just might not yeah. be aware. I don't know. <laughs> and I, I do think there's some truth to those generalizations based on my experience of changing levels. Um, I, but not completely. Hmm. Uh, as I am a raging asshole uh, a <laughs> without any testosterone. Come on now. I, no, I, I, I am certainly overstating the case, but it's while it's easier for me to get out of arguments and so forth and back off and do some healthier behaviors, like some of the like unforgiving aggression uh tenants tendency towards violence etc not that's misrepresentation uh no no keep telling no keep keep hmm. talking about how men are violent keep keep going men are, Dr. Men are violent well actually i was trying to say that i'm not actually um, here's the thing that you need to be aware of um oh men, no he's back men are uh well they're they're biologically structured to to uh to, to dominate okay i i can't i i i'm so bad at it i can't i can't do it <laughs> that's for the best the better you got at that the more i would worry about you as a human being i haven't listened to him in so long that i've forgotten <laughs> most of his talking points so i can't really do a very good impression 
all I know is that I, I worship a chaos dragon or something because I'm a woman. Well, uh, you actually are a you're an archetypal representation of uh, chaos and also dra- uh, dragons. I think, like you said. So hopefully uh, you feel cool great. now because that is kind of a I cool do. thing. <laughs> um, it is is simply feeding into uh, astrology, uh, which has declared me a centaur, and uh, the Chinese zodiac, which has declared me a dragon. Uh, I don't know what I am, but it's certainly mythological. Kind of a, a <laughs> centaur combo with a uh, dragon kind of a, a very unsightly beast definitely something that someone drew and posted on deviant art that's what i was going to say <laughs> <laughs> okay um i am sure there is porn of it well, uh, rule 34 always applies <laughs> horrifying horrifying um but I, I was i was also going to ask about how your experience of the people you're around now, like me, uh, Ashley, AKA Christ lover, 2000. <laughs> yes. I am around <laughs> her. <laughs> well, it, it, you're certainly experiencing her talking. That's true. And various other of these sort of strange outsider religious people, how that interface with, belief shall we say Mm -hmm. is different from how you experienced it growing up and the 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 church context that you were used to before getting away from it and then associating with these weirdos that's a good question and it's a question that i've been you know kind of thinking a lot about and trying to come up with a better answer to but you know the thing that i i'm going to be perfectly honest here and basically tell you that i i think that the reason that i am being much more receptive to uh, you know this particular type of theology and kind of more of a, a kind of almost more of like a mainline christian belief system although again not really mainline in the christian world but mainline in the traditional sense mm-hmm. is it, it may literally just be because people that i think are trustworthy and cool are saying it like I, I i hate to say it but it might literally just come down to the fact that you and Ashley and Nadia and whoever else it may be, all these people that I've been listening to, and even including, you know, like Felix from Chapo and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Brace from Truanon, like all these people, you know, not that they're all exactly Christians, but they're all kind of within the category of monotheism. And I <laughs> think highly of all of these people, including yourself, and it literally could oh. just be a, a proximity issue. <laughs> Which is so lame because it's not a thinking like I'm I'm obviously not thinking very hard about it if that's the answer. But what do you I mean, what do you think about that? <laughs> that seems entirely reasonable and normal in a lot of ways. I I feel like that's a lot of how people growing up, probably including yourself, first experience it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, would you say that you were 
trusting your parents and church community and thinking they were cool at the time? Oh, absolutely. Of course. Although, you know, it did develop in, in my later teen years into more of a kind of an obsessive study for me, as opposed to just mm-hmm. kind of a trust of the cool crowd. But you you bet, you know, for the first all of the years of my life, you know, up until maybe I was about 13, 14 or so. Yeah, it was it was definitely a proximity belief for sure. And I think that's a lot of the way that cultural memes reproduce themselves. So I, I certainly don't think that's something to be ashamed of or uncomfortable with, as I think it's a pretty typical experience on some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's just funny because I, I've i just gone through so many of these strange phases that I feel like no one else I know in real life has gone through. <laughs> and I feel like it's it, I'm almost letting down my, my own stupid elitism by just listening to people talk about the Bible and being like, yeah, they're cool and I agree with that. <laughs> and I think that's... Uh, not unreasonable. Uh, I don't think the stupid elitism, the self-centered, assuming you're right sort of attitude is really helpful or functional. Not at all. I know that for sure. (laughs) Um, and, uh, hmm. It's a question of does it do you good no um, I, I already know for a fact it doesn't yeah. and I, I always talk about this with people especially in relation to music because I, I, I don't know I think I have I still have the because uh, I'm so young you know for for the listeners I'll remind you that I'm 20 uh, I'm a very young child over here haven't <laughs> experienced much of the world and um I still have that broken brain thing where you think that you're very different from all the other people in the world. (laughs) Even though I know that it's not true deep down, I also feel like it is true. So I look around and I think, wow, you know, my music taste is so refined and unique and cool. (laughs) But at the same time, that's not really the case. It's just different. But I also yeah. like music that other people like. You know, I'm always trying to remind people that, hey, you know, even though I like, you know, I listen to a lot of music that not that many people listen to. I also like, I was listening to Carly Rae Jepsen in the shower this morning. You know, I love pop. CRJ. Oh, my God. She's the best. Oh, are you gay? Are you gay or something? I will not be commenting on that topic right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, of course. Uh or at least within the... <laughs> I'm certainly on the spectrum. <laughs> what the fuck does gay even mean? It doesn't really have a good meaning, especially these days. Yeah. Although I do think it's fun to to kind of take the... I don't really know if it's appropriate to take the Red Scare approach and just start calling people gay as a pejorative again, like it's 2012. But we could try that if you want. See, see I'm taking the opposite approach. Um, I... I remember far too clearly that being weaponized against me. Oh, yeah. Oh, me Uh, too. Of course. It still is. Yeah. And (laughs) so 
at some point I realized that I was using gay in a that's wholesomely romantic or soft right sense mm-hmm. and uh this this actually has gotten to be enough of a thing for me that I have seen my parents being cute and called them gay uh, <laughs> more than once oh that's so funny <laughs> um which to them and I think so, yes what they think uh, I didn't ask they certainly did not particularly react to it okay um they have been my parents for a few decades now that's true maybe somewhat inured to my shit (laughs) okay but let me let me refocus back in on the question right so the question that i was i was kind of addressing um uh, oh boy, I really did take uh, the, a long the, tangent. <laughs> the validity of of the influence of others yeah. on making decisions about reality. I think that at the end of the day, I realize and I need to be okay with the fact that all of my, you know, later teenage and, yeah, frankly, I am 20, so technically all of my years before this one have been either teenage years or uh, not or like earlier than that. So I can really just say my later teenage years, all of the, you know, me, you know, just reading and researching and thinking and, you know, just running myself into the ground with, you know, philosophy and whatever, all that stuff is, it's, it can be good. It can be useful, but I shouldn't be valuing that sort of input as higher than simply proximity. Pro- being around people who think a certain way and then coming to understand things in a similar way to them is pr- probably the same thing that happened to me before when I started watching, you know, new atheism YouTube. Even though mm-hmm. I thought at the time that, oh, it, it's lo- it's facts and logic and it's philosophy. <laughs> it, it probably was ultimately just proximity, the same way that, that I am experiencing proximity now. And I think that coming to that realization is hard for me to accept because I just have that ingrained elitism that I somehow managed to develop. I don't know why I developed it. Maybe a lot of people have it and they just don't talk about it. But hmm. I think that that's pretty much what it was. I think that proximity really is one of the greatest contributing factors to how your belief system shifts. Yeah. Um, I remember for some ungodly reason, uh, the first time I tried going to college, I think. <laughs> Maybe it was the second time. Uh writing a paper that involved doing a lot of research about how people develop musical tastes and it seemed to be that that's like at least 80% of it is all about uh group identity so oh that's crazy because for me yeah oh man for me I don't think that it was quite that Because when I first started listening to, you know, metal and hardcore related music, I was 16 and I met Mm -hmm. this one guy at this Christian camp that I was working at 
and he showed me Memphis will be laid to waste by Norma Jean. And then I made him write a whole notebook paper full of, uh, a whole notebook page with a list of bands for me to listen to when I got home. And I just, there was no one else around me for most of my time doing that, that I could identify with listening to it. And I didn't even have a phone at that time. So I couldn't interact with this guy once I left. That's why I had him write it down for me on paper because he couldn't text it to me. I didn't have a phone. I didn't get a phone until I was 18. Damn. Ah, that's a different experience. Uh, (laughs) Side note, my parents got me a phone because they were tired of me vanishing and not communicating when I was in my younger teens. Uh, Oops. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wonder what sort of uh, rebellious behavior you were getting up to at that time. uh, Walking and reading and... um, occasionally uh kissing kissing girls wow uh, oh dear shit i know <laughs> um wowie wow that is very very bad <laughs> but i i when i was younger and more energetic i found myself often dealing with my preponderance of negative thoughts by going on a fucking walk please continue talking like that for the rest of the episode (laughs) and i would i would go on a walk for hours on end without telling anyone that i was doing so or where i might be found partially because i did not know where i might be found uh i certainly got lost this way at least once you know you're gonna Uh, hate me for saying this but you sound exactly like contrapoints lord foppington voice when you do that (laughs) And again, Natalie and I are slightly different versions of the same person. <laughs> That's what you're always <laughs> saying. And I, I'm always, uh, I haven't actually watched her in, in probably several months, mostly because I just don't have time to watch like a fucking two hour YouTube video these days. Yeah, but, um, I, I have zero interest. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's funny because I still have people on Facebook who are like, yeah, wow, this video on JK Rowling was legitimately really good. And I just don't really, I don't really say anything because... I don't think that she's a morally reprehensible person. I know Neither that she played I. a pretty big role in my own uh, radicalization towards more appropriate politics, I guess is the way that I would <laughs> say it. And even though she doesn't really appeal to me anymore because I'm really no longer in her focus group, I still yeah. have a baseline of respect for her as a creator and as a person, I think. Yeah. I feel like when I was first exposed to her, we were in a lot more of the same place in life than we are now. Mm. And we have diverged over the last few years. I have become more radical and strange. Yeah. And she has... I we have we have each come to reflect the results of the strange upheavals we've had in our life experience since then. Um, As we I all do. Don't, I don't think I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but the, the bit about us being the same person is we're both from a reasonably affluent, highly educated, white American liberal backgrounds uh we both like 
had assumptions and aspirations in an academic field. We are the same age. We started transitioning at the same time. Oh, I didn't realize uh, this. Yeah. Uh, so th- there was a point in which we were first like dealing with the being trans thing at which watching what she had to say was very reflective of my own experiences and allowed me to uh, self-crit, as the Maoists say. Um, but gradually she ended up with some perspectives that were just not on the same page. And uh, so did I. We we definitely diverged in opposite directions. Welcome back to the Catharos Podcast. We had a couple of technical difficulties on Valerie's end, but now we have returned to give you a little bit more of your very favorite high-quality content, mm, <laughs> as we are known yes. for delivering. <laughs> Uh, we are both Luddites, and so technology is impossible as far as we're concerned. Uh, yes. It's just and technology can't be done. Most importantly. Yes, it's bad. And I say this as a computer science and engineering major. <laughs> <laughs> and I say it as the uh, daughter of a computer science major. Very um, good. Duh. Are you are you telling me that you think that just because you have a family member who is a computer science major that you have permission to use the slurs that are related to computer science majors? That is very inappropriate. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Wow. I I, I, I have was black some, friends too. You have black friends? Wow. <laughs> I there was and some woman. transsexuals. You do? Now see that is a term that I will refrain from using, but you may use as much as you like, because I <laughs> uh I don't know. I, I guess nobody really gives a fuck, but whatever. Um Because the word was dead before you ever encountered it. Precisely, precisely. It, it's it's Which is really great. not a word that I have any interface with whatsoever, so I might as well just avoid it. That's pretty much my stand uh my standard for most of these sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, although um, I will on occasion use the word faggot because people like to call me that sometimes. <laughs> exactly. You do interface with it. Um, uh, I remember seeing it, this brief clip on some news station where uh, it, s- people are, are still in 2021 on live TV still trying to use the, oh, I have a black son or I have a black family member so I can do X, Y, Z. It amazing it's just fantastic and uh i was gonna say yeah that that this relates to us having uh, to the the shared experiences i had with natalie contrapoints at one point Mm -hmm. and now do not really but uh i i do find it interesting i've encountered recently some similar problems back to men and what is wrong with them um classic classic question age-old question a lot of the time people who are we like to use the word marginalized or whatever who feel like they don't have power in a situation will 
not only be accustomed to being abused, but will just stay quiet about it because fuck it. Like saying something is just going to hurt me and cause problems with the person who is treating me like shit. Yes. And not accomplish anything. So I'm just not going to say anything. And a lot of the time, the people who are in those positions of power take this silence as tacit support of their actions. Yes. And that's presumably where a lot of a lot of this, oh, I'm allowed to use slurs because so-and-so didn't stop me this one time comes from. And it also seems to be... Uh, an ongoing thing of and this is certainly the case in other situations i am only speaking to my own experience but with men massively violating the boundaries of etc women and thinking it's okay because we didn't try to immediately like uh, slap them in the face something do something that we are really not in a safe position to do right which is has led them to a mistaken understanding of the situation and a lack of understanding of the larger situation and how they are in fact hurting people um fucking sucks there's no no nice little moral to that but i i think it was yesterday i was legitimately sitting there and talking to a man and trying to explain to him that yes this woman he was harassing like put up with it and played nice and let him do his little apology thing. This does not mean that what he was doing was okay. Yes. And he, uh, of course, he, he got angry at me. And this accomplished nothing. Which is exactly how this starts in the first place. Because we... Uh, f fuck having the energy to try and fix people who are hurting us honestly um, it, it's such a it, challenge when it doesn't work it i what i wonder is what is the solution i, I guess the solution know. ultimately is I, I almost see this as partially my a role that i think is my job in a way is to be you know the quote quote you know, again, very heavy, quote, quote, mm -hmm. cishet man in whatever situation it may be, uh, or, you know, presumably that, as, as is mostly the case in my life. And then when that situation comes about, I am around for it, and I can be the one to make the statement, as yeah. opposed to the person who is being directly affected. And, mm -hmm. of course, that's what you tried to do. Yeah, you just said that that's what you success. tried to do, and and you had limited to uh, little success. Yeah, I have had uh, some success with that. Yeah, and 
I have I have certainly had moments when there was some level of success which has encouraged me to keep trying. Um, I will say this particular person is an example of someone who has actually in the situation in which he was harassing this woman used the fact that I talked to him because I think that there's some chance of like getting him to be better or mm-hmm. something, whatever it is that I'm doing. Uh, and therefore name dropped me as like, Oh yeah, I have this good friend. Look, look, I'm trustworthy. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and of course he thinks that I'm just angry about that. And is therefore discounting my uh, uh, judgment of the situation because the the woman in question like made nice with him as I have done repeatedly in similar situations. Mm-hmm. So this is not a first time occurrence with this particular person. Um. As he fucks up in various ways uh but god I, I i hope he's getting better i think he's maybe getting better but you know progress isn't linear as we say in therapy oh yes uh i uh, would know that very well because i have been to lots of therapies <laughs> It's uh, a good time. I need to. I'm just kidding. I, I haven't gone to any therapy, but I, need, I probably need and to. <laughs> there is, of course, the on-running issue that there is very limited accessibility to therapy, particularly yes. for people who are getting most fucked over by capitalism and therefore need the most support. Yes. And, of course, the the surrounding issue of uh, therapy being a for-profit business, meaning that you may not be getting treatment from someone who is necessarily motivated by helping you as they are help, uh, motivated uh, by keeping you as a patient. Yep. And of course, not just keeping you as a patient, but keeping like working on you is often done sort of in the context of trying to make you more functional for capital. Exactly. Kind of like the way that the school system is. Yeah. And again, I am saying this as someone who is definitely a big fan of both therapy and education. Right. Of course. There are problems that are inherent to functioning in the context of capital that we can try to work around, but we'll have to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, it, being human's hard. Uh, and especially in the context that we exist in now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> Although which, it's easier which, for me than it is for most other people in the world, which both it makes me glad and also depressed. Uh, glad for myself that I am doing so wonderfully and 
the press that I am uh, <laughs> among the privileged few. Yeah, though I, I do think there is also some confusion there because the privilege in this system is not necessarily something that is a valuable experience. It makes it easier to survive. Mm. Um, I and it, it can make a lot of things easier. Like, uh, let's talk about some some of our friends from New York. Uh, <laughs> both both liturgy and imperial triumphant yes. are in a much better position to do complex labor intensive music um particularly in uh Ilya's case through access to education but just through having the resources and time which comes from those resources mm -hmm. to invest in doing that kind of work exactly uh however operating from a position of privilege can be almost a worse form of alienation while you do have all this extra time to put into making yourself better and you can go to therapy and so forth you can be just so separated from having a reasonable life that it's it is Judging primarily from the outside, though I have I have had more privilege than I do now, and I'm doing honestly fairly well as it is. That's good. It it can it can be hard to I think really get somewhere with yourself with who you are without those challenges of suffering. Uh this is getting into some best of all possible worlds rhetoric. Um, suffering is good, actually. Yeah. Everyone should suffer. Yeah, back to Jordan Peterson. Um, suffering is good, actually. I'm going to nail you to a cross. That'll help a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, if you think about it, we wouldn't have Jesus if he hadn't been nailed to a cross, so. <laughs> I mean, we would have. That is a... It's certainly a it's a very inappropriate way of looking at it uh, inappropriate to whom um it's that's a complex question of course uh, i've noticed a lot of the time since i've been partially due to your influence been consuming a lot of more mainstream engaging with religion and it feels like people talk a lot more about uh, stuff that I would associate with therapy, with just like how to be a human being, etc., um, than I'm used to, um, and less about those more difficult concepts like what is the meaning of the self-sacrifice of God and suffering? Yeah, um, you're right. 
which is something that is just sort of difficult to address. Um, of course, by especially by a lay person, as most yeah. of us are. Uh, whereas that's the sort of thing that I am more accustomed to thinking about. And so it, it's, it is sort of refreshing to see people using, uh, I don't want to say using, but living in their religion uh, as just part of normal life and normal social functioning and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one but, thing uh, that I love about it. And that's one thing that I've really enjoyed about getting more into, you know, prayer lately and, you know, scripture reading, et cetera, is that it's, I feel like it's actually put me at a better, it's put me in a better place in my own current social context, which is unsurprising because I go to a, you know, pretty strongly evangelical Christian school. So it would make sense that being more involved with Christian practices would be good for my interactions with people here but i i've noticed it i've i've absolutely noticed it i don't feel like i'm having to put on uh any sort of affect anymore yeah it's and it's a complicated question too because uh in a lot of the social context that we that you and i are used to uh I think you more so online me in it all the time. Um, uh, there's there's a lot of pushback against religion. There's just a lot of negative preconception. There's a lot of just shitty attitudes, which has certainly contributed to me not being very open about it for a long time. Sure. Um, and just struggling, struggling also with how much I wanted to really engage with it. Um, it's a complicated question. Yeah, uh, and you know the good thing is, the thing I like about about this episode that we've done here is we've we've done a good overview, but we also have left so much room for future specific yeah. deep dives like we can talk about so many of these things on a very in-depth level that we haven't really broached in this in this discussion so i'm excited yeah, about that I, I do feel like a lot of this will bear revisiting um, for sure god there's a lot there's a lot uh and i've conversely had this sort of weird On the other hand, well, like a lot of my social circumstances are not in favor of this. There's also a weird smaller group bonding with, uh, for example, I talk with former label mates, uh, Elijah and Jonathan from Panagirist and Ruhama from Ivoid Hanger Records a lot. Mm. I love that um, label. I don't think I know that band, though. Uh, two different bands, okay. Panagirist and low rahama yes yes good stuff uh big fan uh and they're both strange christians and i have there's a lot of comfort in having that social group with whom to talk about things and simply exist without that discomfort barrier 
of um, uh, like the discomfort the discomfort that you may feel with a lot of more negative more atheist perspectives on religion that i'm used to in my social circles mm-hmm. where I, I feel like i have to not say these things yeah um and i do know i'm i'm always filtering uh like in a lot of religious contexts even i know that a lot of my positions are not the norm and to engage i sort of do it's not critique but like eminent critique sort of things whereas this isn't my personal perspective on this but like this is my understanding of Of these teachings that 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 i don't yeah which is an interesting dynamic Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do feel like just existing this way is very strange, uh, and I, I don't know how you would feel about actually engaging directly with like a church community or anything now. I don't know. I think that I would be. I think that I would be open to it. I think that I would be able to do it. And that I would actually glean positive uh, value from it. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot to be said for that. Um, I feel like the unorthodoxy of my actual beliefs makes it hard for me to engage in good faith in that context. Yes. Um, Yes. I think that that would be the challenge, is how how open would I really be with yeah. just how confused I am, or just how strongly I feel about certain things. Yeah, and of course, there's the, the whole, I am transsexual, there we're back again, I'm just going <laughs> to overuse that word just now. Keep, just only use that word from now on. Transsexual... <laughs> uh, which I think is... that I think that I think that Nadia might have used that at least once in the uh, Lamentations <laughs> episode. I think, and I was like, "Oh, there it is again." <laughs> She's fun. She's I've enjoyed her for some time before this became part of our interactions. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's that's certainly a barrier to having a normal position in even more welcoming church contexts. Yeah, of course. Um, and because which... in those, oftentimes you're running into unorthodox theology that is unorthodox in a very, in a very liberal way. Yeah. That's one of the difficulties, is that you want to have people who are not bigoted, but who also are not liberals. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is um, which is the challenge. Like, there's the Unitarian Universalist Church, which I I'm not gonna like speak negatively of them, but personally, I have not nearly so much of a universalist bent, and I do actually. This sounds really... I, there's no way I can say this and sound nice, but I actually believe things which <laughs> they sort of don't. 
Um, I love that. So while they are they are very LGBT accepting, like I wouldn't get anything out of that. Um, Other than like a, ha- a a nice little friendly group of people yeah. that are, uh, who knows what's going on in their heads. I mean, I don't know any people who belong to that church, but it 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 sounds rather odd to me. I don't feel like I could be in that community without my beliefs coming out as irritation and being less than pleasant to other people. So I don't think it's <laughs> worth it. Sure. Um, uh, well, there is actually, um, so I think I've mentioned before that, when I was younger, my mother was the pastor of a primarily LGBT church for a year or two, whatever it was. Oh, wow. I don't remember and, this. And uh, she ended up, she, she was for a couple years each pastor in a, a couple different places. And when I was junior high, I think, um, we ended up being in a position where she wasn't about to be the pastor somewhere. And we had to figure out where we wanted as a family to go to church. Mm -hmm. And while it was a little bit of a drive, uh, for some reason, little baby Val said, Oh, well, I always really felt like I belonged and was in a good place at this LGBT church that I grew up in partially for a couple years when mm-hmm. I was younger and I talked my parents into going back there, which they still do. Oh, wow. Um, so I do actually always have the option of this church, which not only is full of LGBT people. Uh, I actually was, talking to the pastor on Facebook uh, a day or two ago with the uh, Valentine's Day meme that's going around. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I'm sure it will be over by the time you hear this. Uh, (laughs) And not only is it a very welcoming community, but there are people there who have known me since I was a child. Wow. Um, Which is like a very unique position to be in for someone like me but again i feel like the normal christianity is just not something i can entirely express in good faith because my beliefs are too different uh the last time i went to a service there uh Uh, I don't take communion. Uh, it's not something I'm comfortable with doing. And it was... The pastor knew about me going in and, like, was totally chill about that and very smooth, but, like... And she's great. Big fan. Uh... But 
I still remain an outsider no matter where I go. Yeah. Good times. It's challenging. It's challenging for... I think it's just kind of a thing about... Not being cis just puts people in a... A very, very different social position, even if they don't really... You know, even for someone like me, who I it does it's not very apparent in the way that it would be for someone like you. Yeah, you still just kind of know. Mm-hmm. I, I like even discussions of gender years before I was out. Like I was just like, I can't really engage with this without like trying to come out in this conversation. You know. Right. Of course. Well, well, that's uh, certainly, <laughs> I, I feel like that's a good place for us to end for now. And we'll see y'all again soon. We've got some more fun guests coming up. Indeed uh, we do. I would encourage you all to stay tuned to some of our future, ep- uh, in fact, all of our future episodes. If you, did, did I really just <laughs> yeah. mispronounce that? I did. I, did. Uh, anyway. I have no idea. Everything's <laughs> in autocorrect in my brain. <laughs> I wish that I wish that my brain were like that. We'll see you soon anyway. Have a great day everybody. Goodbye. Bye.